Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. So this week I had to have a procedure done, and uh, the procedure is something that was necessary because uh, about two or three years ago, I guess about three years ago, I had to have cataract surgery. And when they do cataract surgery, they take the, uh, the capsule or the part of your eye where the lens is, and they go in there and they take out the lens that's cloudy, and then they put in there a different lens so you can see more clearly. And it was amazing what it did. I mean, I wear glasses that are very insignificant prescription compared to uh, I had a, an optometrist friend in California that when he saw me and met me for the very first time, he said, uh, he looked across the room, he came running towards me, and he says, I'm making you my personal project. That's how bad my eyes were. And so to have that change was uh, significant. And I didn't realize, and it's interesting, and there's a lot of spiritual application to this, but I didn't realize that over the last couple, three years, m- even though the prescription of my eyes has not changed uh, I would notice at nighttime it was a little hazier and not quite as clear as it was right after the cataract surgery. And so I found out that what happens, not in every case for anybody that's had cataract surgery, but in some cases, and I happen to be one of the persons that experienced this, the lens or the part of the, the membrane that they leave in the eye, and I was telling VJ about this earlier and I think he's going to hide around the corner so he doesn't have to hear this, but the membrane of the eye, um, what happens is it, gets, it starts thickening and it gets cloudy. And it's, uh, the doctor, the opto- ophthalmologist described it as like wax paper, like trying to look through wax paper. So what happens is when the light is hitting the eye, instead of going straight to the retina, and that's when I noticed it was when I'm trying to see something in dimmer light, it's hard, harder to see it because the light's being diffused instead of going directly to the retina. And so the procedure is called a YAG capsulotomy. YAG capsulotomy. I practice that a lot of times. That's almost like one of the words in the Old Testament, you know, one of the names. But So this special laser treatment is a very simple procedure. They dilate your eye. They numb your eye. There's no pain involved at all, except for the fact that uh, you go in this room and there's this machine and you put your chin in the machine like you do when they're checking your eyes. And then... Uh, they put a kind of a contact lens in your eye to hold it open. And then uh, he said, don't move. <laughs> and this would just take a few minutes. And so I heard a click. And the thing I noticed the most was the light that I was looking at was one of the brightest lights I've ever looked at in my life. And uh, what he said was a few moments. seemed like it lasted for about four or five hours because it was intense light. Uh, it wasn't painful, except that everything in me wanted to move from that position as fast as I could because the light was causing tears to run down my face. And it's like, if I could get out of this, I would. But I was afraid to move. Because I thought, what if he misses? And then I don't have any eyesight at all. So I stayed there through the number of clicks. And he says, and then, and then this was encouraging. He says, oh, you know, boy, this one's a little thicker than usual. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> You know, how much longer is this going to take? And so uh, 
So I, stared, I stayed there staring at this bright light, realizing I, if I moved, I was moving at my peril, at, at a risk of affecting my eyesight. And so I stayed there. And when he was done, he says, everything's good, looks good, you'll be a little blurry for a while. Uh, you can imagine staring at a bright light for a long time. And uh, it wasn't more than 15 or 20 minutes. My eyesight began to clear up. And literally, if I cover my right eye right now, my eyesight in the left eye is so much more clear than the right eye right now. And I go back on Friday to get the other one done. So it's an amazing procedure that allows for clarity of vision. Well, you know, the question is, how does that all apply to our relationship to God? And I think there's probably some application you can think of already because sometimes our ability to have communion with God and our ability to go further in our walk with the Lord is clouded or veiled. And the reality is, we know that God desires for it to be different. And sometimes, as happened with my eyesight, it can get cloudy or veiled uh, over a period of time, and you don't even realize it's happening. And for some reason, the light is not shining through as clearly, and, and you don't feel like you're growing quite as quickly as you were before, and you're not quite sure if uh, things are changing the way they should be changing. And we all know, and I think, that the reality is that God has created us, God has created us to be in communion with Him. We, um, we're supposed to have this ongoing, thriving existence with our Creator. I love what the Apostle John said as an old man, like a father, like a great-great-grandfather, talking to his kids. He says in 3 John verse 4, he says, I have no great joy, greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And the reality is that God the Father loves it when we grow. He loves it when we desire to have communion with Him. He loves it when we want to grow closer to Him. And communion, let me give you this definition that I want to work with this morning, is an act or instance of sharing intimate fellowship and seeing Christ more clearly. It's in this fellowship that we experience hope and freedom. And like I said, there are times that we don't see our hope. And we don't see our freedom that's available to us as clearly as maybe we did yesterday or the month before or some years before because life's pressures come in and steal our hope. Or sometimes we have to deal with the, the sins of fear and shame and, and anger and the things that we talked about the last few weeks and they steal our freedom. And so things are not quite as clear and all of a sudden, uh, the momentum of the growth that we were making comes to a screeching halt. And the reality is, what some of us need, and maybe some of us need it this morning, is a spiritual YAG capsulotomy. A spiritual YAG capsulotomy. It's, it, no, not right now. <laughs> But anyway, so the spiritual YAG capsulotomy, what it's going to do for us is we're going to have opportunity this morning 
And then I'll give you the chance to tell me what the machine is, the name of the machine is and why they call it that, because we're going to line up and put our eyes right in front of that machine. Not literally, but figuratively, I hope that's what will happen to us this morning. That the Lord will help clear some things up that maybe have gotten unclear for us. And so, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles or look at the screen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning at verse 12, where Paul says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." So here's the first thing we see from this passage. That in communion with God, and when our communion with God is more clear, and we can see clearly what it looks like, we go further with hope. Notice back at verse 12, if we can put that up there again. Verse 12 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. It's not only hope, but it's boldness of hope that comes because the veil has been lifted and we can see more clearly. Now you may or may not remember, but this passage and what Paul's thinking about is the story back in the Old Testament when Moses and the Israelites were receiving the Ten Commandments. And it was the second time around when Moses received the second set of Ten Commandments, he comes off the mountain and the Israelites can't even look on his face because he had been in the glory of God and his face was shining so brightly they they couldn't look. And so, and I thought about doing this this morning, but I changed my mind. But literally, it was like as if I was preaching to you because I've been in the glory of God and I'm preaching to you with a veil in front of my face the whole time. In fact, if I did this the rest of the time, that would probably be slightly annoying. But that's what was happening. Is that was, They were experiencing this dynamic where the veil... If it was lifted, the brightness of the glory of God was too much for them to look at. And so God, in His providence through the years, has changed things for us. And through His Son, Jesus Christ, all of that dynamic has changed. And the dynamic has changed in such a way that you and I have the privilege to look at God in all the fullness of His glory, and we do it by looking through His Son, Jesus. God's glory his infinite beauty and perfection and greatness. And, and God wants us to see and to experience His glory. And we all know, I think, that the veil represents our limitations. Another way we can think of it is, it is that the veil represents sin that keeps us from seeing His glory. And we know that the law was a temporary fix to, that didn't solve the problem. It wasn't going to be the remedy that removed the veil. And the veil that was there was representing the the limitations of our ability to find our way to God in our own flesh. 
It also represents the, the limitations that come because we experience shame and fear and rejection in our life. But here's the good news that we all know, or want to be, I want us to be reminded of this morning, that in Christ, the veil is torn away. I want to remind you of what we are going to celebrate in you know, less about 40 days as we get ready to celebrate the resurrection on April 12th. Matthew 27, verse 51 says, And behold, the curtain of the temple that was, that was dividing the people from the tabernacle and God's holy of holies, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, from heaven to earth, as heaven came to earth, and earth shook and the rocks were split because the veil has been torn. And that's why we have the privilege this morning to receive the Lord's table and to walk in the fullness of His glory because the veil has been torn. At this point, that's a good time to say amen. 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 That's good news for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 describes what that provides for us. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The veil has been ripped open so that we can come into His glory and receive His grace and mercy in whatever needy place we find ourselves. So, in communion with God, we go further with hope. The next thing that this passage tells us, and if we can bring it up again in verses 16 through 18, in, in communion with God, we go further with freedom. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil's removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, everybody say it, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then what happens because of the freedom, Paul describes at the end of this passage, he says, from, uh, in the same image, from one degree of glory to, the, to another, and from this comes the Lord, who is the Spirit who takes us from one level of glory to another, which is a description of growing of maturing, of going further in communion with God. And so I want to point out a few things in this part of the passage that describe what happens when we turn to the Lord and we go further in our hope and our freedom. The way we do it is described for us. Step one is in verses 16 and 17, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The first step is, we turn to the Lord. We turn to the Lord. Now, you know how it is with our kids, especially when they're little, and well, it really doesn't matter if they're little or older, but you know when your kids, you caught them in something that they shouldn't have done? And you call them into the room and you say, you know, I need to talk to you about something. What do they typically do when it comes to looking at you when you need to talk to them? They don't look at you. What do I need to talk about, Dad? Well, I just am wondering, did you hit your brother? Uh, maybe. Maybe. And then... What do we do sometimes as parents in order to make sure they're listening to us closely? We put our hand underneath their chin and we go, would you look at me please? And isn't it amazing how kids have this innate ability 
that you can lift up their chin and tell them to look at you, and they can find ways to look everywhere <laughs> they can you know, while you're holding their chin right in place, right? Isn't that the way we are with the Lord? The step that Paul gives to us is turn to the Lord. And sometimes when we are in a situation, especially when it's our own silly, dumb fault, the last thing we want to do is turn to the Lord and look at Him in His fullness. But Paul says the solution, the way you find freedom and the way you find hope and the way you increase your communion with God and go further in God is no matter what the situation, you find a way to turn to the Lord. We obviously know that when we turn to the Lord, we're turning to the Lord through Jesus. Knowing that Jesus is our way, He's our truth, He's our life. And what we are turning from are all the other different ideas and philosophies and religions and anything that we think describes what it is to turn to the Lord. We turn away from those things realizing the only way we're going to see clearly, the only way we're going to go further, the only way we're going to increase our communion with God, the only way we're going to have more hope and more freedom is to turn to Jesus Christ. So the first thing, the first step is to turn to the Lord. And then if we can bring up the passage again, the second step is we gaze upon Christ to go further in hope and freedom, and so we, we need to learn to see. We need to open our eyes. We need to put our head in that gag capsulotomy machine, and we need to let the laser light be shining on our spiritual eyes. So it can burn away the things and remove that wax paper, spiritual wax paper that keeps us from seeing. And verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Now if I could use that picture again of me sitting there staring at that laser, I don't know how to tell us this morning how long we need to stare at the glory of the Lord. I don't know how long we need to gaze at Jesus, but I think, I think in my best guess, none of us in this room have stared at him long enough yet. I don't think any of us have gone as far as the Lord wants us to go. I think for every one of us this morning, there is way more than we can imagine or ask or think. And we will benefit ourselves to realize it doesn't matter if we've been serving the Lord for one month or for 50 years. There is still more to come. And just like a little kid that finds something new for the very first time, we need to continue to gaze in the face of Jesus in such a way that it's like it's the very first time once again. And that there's something new. Do we realize that we could gaze at Jesus? We're going to be gazing at Jesus from now into eternity. And through all of eternity, we will never discover everything there is in Him. We'll never see the width. We'll never see the height. We'll never see the breadth. We'll never see the depth of His love for us. We'll never see it all. And so when we choose to turn away from the Lord, instead of turning to see Him in His glory, we are missing out in all that He wants to give us as He gives us heaven to earth and lets us see everything that He has for us. There's a passage of Scripture you could turn to 
or look on the screen for this one, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4. through And this is the Apostle John, as I mentioned earlier, the old man, the great-grandfather of many spiritual sons and daughters. And he's dealing with this heresy that was in the church that was saying that when Jesus was on the earth, He was this spirit being. In fact, when He walked through the dust, there, was, there were no footprints left because He was not real. He was not real. He was not someone you could really touch because He's so unreachable. And He certainly is greater than any, anyone in the, in the universe. And we don't want to take any way, anything away from the greatness of who He is. But at the same time, Jesus emptied Himself and became like us so that we could touch Him and feel Him and hear Him. And listen to these words from John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. The phrase looked upon is a phrase that means we gazed at Him and we stared at Him, we examined Him, we checked Him out. We looked at Him very carefully. We pulled on His toes and His hands and everything. And we, this is, this is Jesus. This is the body that was dead. This is the body that came off the cross. We touched Him. We held Him. He hugged us. And then he says, we touched Him with our hands concerning the Word of life. The life was made manifest. It was displayed to us and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Paul in Ephesians says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He's called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. That's what we get when we stare in the laser of God's love. That's what we get when we look intensely at Him, staring into that laser as we turn to Him and we look to see all that we can see. The full vision of who God is is not just a bunch of concepts, but you've got to see God for who He is in order to be a reflection of who He is to other people. You realize the reason Moses' face shone is because he was reflecting the glory of God. And there's something that is really amazing about the fact that the more you and I spend our time in worship, the more you and I spend our time gazing on the beauty of the Lord, other people walk up to us and say, there's something different about the way you look today. What is it about you? Well, I just have been spending more time with Jesus. That's, that's what's happened. Because He changes us and He changes our appearance. He changes the way we talk to one another. He changes the attitude that we carry. He changes us in such a way where we go further because when we're in communion with God, it affects everything around us. Even our kids look better. Even our husband or wife looks more handsome or more beautiful. Everything changes because of the reflection of the glory of God in our life.
You know, you don't find out. You don't find out about God through a blind date or a dating website. You know, the thing with the dating websites, if any of you have ever used them, maybe you've had this experience. We didn't have dating websites in my day. We did have blind dates, but you know, you go on a blind date and you go, oh boy, this person was not at all like my buddy described. Or you go to a dating website and what do you put on a dating website? You know, I have buck teeth. Um, you know, I have nose hairs that grow really long. I, uh, I also have hair growing out of my ear and uh, my right ear, not my left ear. It's pretty clear. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, have, uh, I have a lot of grease under my fingernails because I'm an automatic mechanic, but I really have a good job. You don't put that kind of stuff on a dating site, right? What do you put on a dating website if you're trying to attract someone to check you out? You describe that you're 6'5", that you're bulked out because you go to the gym all the time. Uh, you know, you, 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 you might have some tattoos, but they're nice tattoos. And, you know, you, you make sure that you're attractive. But the good news is, when we get into relationship with Jesus, we get everything as he is. There's no tricks. There's no gimmicks. There's nothing that is different than who he's described. So how do we know if we're going further in our communion with God? Well, we know because we see change. We live with hope and we live with freedom. And so at the end of verse 18, if we can bring that passage up again from 2 Corinthians, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We become. And the word transformed is the word metamorphosis. And metamorphosis is the word that describes the change that occurs of a caterpillar, caterpillar into a butterfly. And if we can bring that photo up, I want you to think about this this morning. The picture on the left, the caterpillar, is the way most of you look. Just kidding. But we don't know. God looks at us and he says, this is what stage you're in. And if you look at, if you've ever looked at photos that show the stages of a caterpillar, the caterpillar looks pretty beautiful right now. It's nice colors and everything else. But you've ever seen a caterpillar when it's starting to come out of the cocoon? It's gross and there's gooey liquid and sticky. And, it's, and that's where some of us are at. But no caterpillar is going to stay in that place. What's the purpose of being a caterpillar? It's not to stay a caterpillar. The purpose of a caterpillar is to become the butterfly with those delicate wings and the beautiful colors and the ability to flit in and out of things so quickly and so adeptly. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so the question I have for all of us this morning is as the Lord looks at us as we're in this process of metamorphosis, where are we at in that process? Where are we at in our communion with God? Are we going further and further towards the direction that He's called us to be? Because seeing is not just believing in God, 
It's becoming. It's becoming more like God. And the veil being torn means we can approach the throne boldly. And as we approach the throne boldly, we know that in His presence, we can experience the change that brings us hope and brings us freedom. And so, I want you to think again. Sorry, BJ. Back to the procedure. I'll show you the video later. It's really cool. But I want you to think again about where we're at in terms of our personal relationship with the Lord this morning. There's all sorts of different ways for us to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. One we're going to participate in in just a few minutes is at the Lord's table. As we're reminded of His broken body and His shed blood and all that He did for us. Another is spending time in His Word because we know that the truth reveals the abundance of life. And the, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And we learn more about Him that way. But I want to encourage us this morning to use every opportunity we can this week to see where we've turned away from Him and turned back to Him. Front and center. Fully committed to looking directly at Him. And if it means that we have to look in the brightness of His glory in such a way that we can hardly stand it and we need to turn away because it's so bright, but it's so good. Because we know what's going to happen because of what we do as we stare at His presence and His glory. And then we let Him change the way that we see. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to think for just a minute about where you are in your journey in Christ. Are you going in the right direction? Can you, can you say this morning that you are experiencing the change that God wants you to be affecting in your life? Or are there areas where you've gotten stubborn and you've kind of dug your heels in and said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of changing. And I don't like this pressure. But the Lord is asking you this morning to recommit yourself to His process. And wherever it is that you have drifted away, I want to encourage you to recommit yourself Surrender once again to that process. Renew your commitment to Him once again. And then I want to just pray over all of us before we receive communion. And this is what I'll pray. Lord, I pray this morning that You would help all of us to have the courage to turn to You. Help us all to stay right there in your presence, looking in the fullness of your glory and not turning away until you say the work is done. Help us to stay committed to that. And then, Lord, we know that out of your faithfulness, you will help us to go further. You will increase our hope and our freedom and we will have better communion with you as a result. And we want to thank you for that reality this morning. 
that we could be changed from glory to glory and the veil has been torn. Thank you this morning, Lord, that we can see you more clearly than ever before. In your name we pray. So as we go, let me bless you with these words. May the Lord bless you with the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and greater fellowship and communion in the Holy Spirit. And may you enjoy His grace, His peace, His hope, and His freedom in everything you do throughout this week. Amen. Amen. Amen.